0: You're listening to The Daily Reflection Podcast, messages of experience, strength, and hope from members of the recovery community. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we've got Chris P. from Reston, Virginia. This episode originally aired on January 6, 2021. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: In the 30-plus years that I've now been sober, I have built a wonderful life based on the firm bedrock of personal
0: powerlessness. Welcome to the Daily Reflection podcast. My name is Michael, and today is January 6th, and we have a special guest in to help us read the Daily Reflection for today. Chris P., welcome. Thank you, Michael. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the reflection for January 6th, so I wonder if you would help me out and and maybe read that, read through the uh, reflection for today.
1: Yep, I will. So January 6th. The victory of surrender. We perceive that through utter defeat, we are able to take our first steps towards liberation and strength. Our admissions of personal powerlessness finally turn out to be a firm bedrock upon which happy and purposeful lives may be built. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 21. When alcohol influenced every facet of my life, when bottles became the symbol of all my self indulgence and permissiveness, When I came to realize that by myself, I could do nothing to overcome the power of alcohol, I realized I had no recourse except surrender. In surrender, I found victory. Victory over my selfish self-indulgence. Victory over my stubborn resistance to life as it was given to me. When I stopped fighting anybody or anything, I started on a path to sobriety, serenity, and peace.
0: So I'm curious, Chris, why did you pick this daily reflection to share on.
1: Sure. Thanks again for having me on the uh, show. Really excited, excited to participate because we were starting early in the year. I uh, actually had a lot of days to choose from. And so this really, this you know, really stuck out to me and, and uh, something I can very much relate to. I, I got sober as a teenager and um, what I thought was the uh, absolute worst thing that could possibly happen to a, to a teenager was to become an alcoholic. You know, I had a, uh, what I considered to be a, a life ahead of me. And, you know, I had no idea that I could stay sober. I thought for sure that I was going to die an alcoholic death and, and I was doomed to that, uh, you know, to that, uh, you know, final demise. And it, and, and all the stories that I heard, you know, was the jails, institutions and death. And so I had already spent some time in jail. I'd spent, uh, almost two years in drug rehab, drug alcohol rehab. And, and, um, you know, here I was now getting sober at the age of, of, uh, 16. And, um, you know, it was fairly depressing. And so what, what, what stuck out to me about this particular reading was it really was the victory of surrender that gave me the, grace to, uh, really trudge forward in sobriety. And, um, and I begin to, I begin to rebuild my life on this firm bedrock that they discuss in this particular, in this particular reading, this, uh, you know, it says, admissions of personal perilousness finally turn out to be the firm bedrock upon which happy and purposeful lives may be built. Well, I'll tell you that, in the 30 plus years that I've now been sober, <clears throat> I have built a wonderful life based on the firm bedrock of personal powerlessness. That the surrender to, uh, the surrender that I'm an alcoholic and to join Alcoholics Anonymous and work the steps has been what I've built my life on. And, uh, you know, it's just absolutely fantastic.
0: 30 plus years, that's an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations for that!
1: Thank you.
0: What was that like being so young, sixteen, and and finding recovery?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I'll tell you, it was really, it was really tough when when I got out of rehab. And at that time, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida. I got out of rehab, and I went to the Alano Club in Neptune Beach, and I uh, started to attend meetings there, and I was um, easily on average, 20 years younger than everybody around me. And so, you know what, but I was desperate. I was willing to do whatever it took to stay sober, right? I had made a commitment to myself that, you know, I would do whatever it took. And the people that were older than me did not shun me. Right? They loved me and they took care of me and they uh, and they supported me. And so it was really the love of AA, you know, the people in that Alano club that, that began to just, Embrace me and teach me about what it was like to, uh, you know, get sober be sober and kept inviting me back. And, you know, and I felt very comfortable at that particular meeting and it was very, very hard though. You know, it was very hard.
0: I can imagine. Uh, and what does, what does your service look like today? What do you, what do you do to stay in service?
1: Well, I tell you, I, I mean, I just, so... The beauty of uh, building a life in AA is is based on this firm bedrock. Part of that, part of that now revolves around service, being part of the community. I do really all I can to support my my friends in AA and and my guys that I sponsor and my sponsor and um, I mean I'm I'm intimately involved in AA. Has given me a absolutely wonderful life, and I, I believe in the act of giving back, and specifically. Uh, I like the idea of, um, of the reach out, you know, and as we talk about doing things that are, that are helpful, the, the idea of making a phone call to another member of Alcoholics Anonymous for no apparent reason than to just call and say, hey, what's going on, right? The best advice I was ever given was you want to make a friend, right? You ask, hey, how are you doing? right? Not, hey, I called you to talk about, you know, this, the reading, it talks about being released from self-indulgence and self-centeredness, right? And so the beauty of what they taught me in AA early, and which I still do is, you know, I call the guy in the meeting that says, man, I'm having a tough time. Uh, I make it a point to make it, you know, who is that that I need to call? I call that guy for no apparent reason. I don't need to hear about his tough I just want to hear uh, how he's doing and what's going on, right? And uh, and as a result of that, I have a room full of friends. I feel totally connected in, uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? And everybody knows I care. And it's just from making the phone call, right? And then guys call me back.
0: Wonderful. Mm. Connection is so important. Ironically, it's one of the most difficult things that newcomers find when I first came in. The last thing in the world I wanted to do was reach out and call another man and talk about my problems or listen to his problems. I just didn't, I didn't want to do that. And uh, it took a while for me to build that, that muscle to pick up the phone and, and call. What do you tell your sponsees and the people that you work with to help them overcome that?
1: You know, I believe in the theory of action. And, and what, you know, when we started to talk about, right, I, I said that when I came into AA, I was willing to do anything to stay sober. And, uh, and that involved back in the late '80s, early '90s. That actually meant that we picked up a phone that was tethered to the wall. That was tethered to the wall. Now it's now, now it's now it's <laughs> yes. easier. You don't, have, you don't have to do that. But the uh, I mean, this is this is the di- this is I mean, this is the exact dialogue that I tell my sponsees and the guys that I, I meet in AA. We want you to call, right? I want you to call me. If I can't talk to you, I won't answer the phone. If I can, I'll answer the phone and it'll be wonderful, right? That I'm interested in how you're doing and you're interested in how I'm doing. And uh, and so specifically, we you know we make a pact to make these phone calls. Some guys say three a day, right? Let's make three AA phone calls a day. But I make a lot of phone calls and, uh, and, as, and it's not that hard, right? You make a phone call and you ask, how are you doing? Michael, how are you doing? It's Chris. I met you at the meeting today. I saw you in the Zoom link and you put your number in the in the, uh, in the chat box. And uh, the only reason they're putting the number in the chat box is because they want you to call, right? And so, you know, give them the opportunity to be of service and, uh, and make a call and make a friend.
0: What are some of the tools that you feel are really important that you share and and that help you uniquely help the newcomer?
1: The beauty of being sober for, for a, Having continuity in sobriety is that I've had wonderful spiritual experiences and trials in sobriety, and uh, and with each trial comes a new uh, comes a new evolution of uh, of my serenity and my self reflection, and and, uh, and most recently the thing that's really you know as part of the firm bedrock of personal powerlessness. I've I've gone into a a deeper uh, search for the. For a spiritual connection, and I've been doing, um, you know, personalized meditation, which is not sophisticated. It's not sophisticated meditation. It's not. It's not guided. Uh, it's pure quietness, and uh, and it's short bursts of it. So it's five minutes at a time, sometimes a little longer. And um, and what I do is I sit quietly uh in the uh with my legs crossed and I and I get quiet and I try to uh have a conversation of gratitude for the things that I have for my sobriety for the opportunity to be a service for you know my children I go through the list of things that I'm grateful for and I get quiet. If for some reason I get uh I have a uh a train of thoughts that that roll on, I don't eliminate the train of thoughts or or shame myself for those. I just let them occur. Back before, uh, you know, the, the Zen movement, if you will, right. Back when they wrote the book on meditation, meditation was defined as uh, pondering something, right? Like the general would meditate on on the army, and so it was a it was a contemplative time of thinking about situations, right? And so I can employ that now. I can think about my sobriety. I can think about the day, what trials I might occur, right? What gratitude I'm having. Um, you know, and really take that into the next step, the people around me, the love I'm feeling, the love I need to give. Um, you know, all those kind of things come as a real intimate part of that meditation. But as a consequence of that, I don't feel lonely. And I feel connected. And as it talks later in the as we, you know, move into like the night step, I begin to experience some of the promises associated with, with a deeper connection to the higher power. And um, talked later in the reading about, you know, about serenity and, and finding peace. And uh, I'll tell you, through meditation, I've been able to overcome and go through all kinds of trials over the years. And, uh, you know, and I, I love to meditate with my friends in AA meetings and. Uh, as a group, we have a we have a text group with a group of men where after we've done the page eighty six through eighty eight reading in the mornings, we we confirm that we've done that with one another. And if you haven't had a chance to <clears throat> read page eighty six in the AA Big Book, you know when it talks about on awakening, it tells us very specifically what to do. Uh, you know, and so I go through. I like to go through that and say the the prayers associated with that as well. It's that's a nice. It's nice
0: you mentioned that through meditation you don't feel alone being okay with being by yourself through the practice of meditation is that what that means?
1: So for me, what's happened is is that uh, this is this is my feeling about it. It talks about it in the big book, but you know I'm, I'm here to kind of confirm it so I believe that that the higher power lives inside of me that that it's that it's all encompassing right that it's it's outward and it's inward. It talks about that if we look deep inside ourselves we will find the higher power and so when I when I meditate and I'm getting in touch with my personal energy inside and, uh, and I'm trying to remove the things that are blocking me from from this you know what I call the higher power my higher power then then uh, then I do feel less alone and it's it's I would have never thought that when I was trying that. I heard people say, "Like, look, if you if you get connected, you'll you'll feel less alone." And this is how you do it. I I couldn't put that together, but after I started to try it, and this is you know my my plea to you, if you will, right? From my experience is that we have to try, and uh, and if I try it, and uh, you know for a period of time, then all of a sudden. That sense of uh, impending doom that I had, I began to get some real clarity around things that I was working on. Um, I felt significantly less alone. I felt because I was doing, you know, I incorporate gratitude in it. I was feeling significantly more gratitude, and um, you know, and I just had personal growth associated with it. And I'm by no, I'm by, I mean, I'm not levitating. <laughs> I'm far from levit, I'm far from levitating, but. <laughs> You know, but I get down in that in that position and I do it all over the place. Sometimes I do it in my office. I just sit on my office floor. Sometimes I do it uh, in front of my family in the uh, in the den. Sometimes I do it up at the bedroom. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be perfectly quiet. Right. The idea is that I sit and I try to get centered in myself. And it doesn't have to be a perfect environment where I'm shutting down all my, all my consciousness. Now, maybe as I get more advanced, maybe some of that will come along. But you know, we're talking about where I am today, and that's, that's where it is.
0: There are times when I begin to meditate, and I find it to be more difficult than other times. And I try and take it easy on myself. Look at it this way. Sometimes when I meditate, it's, it's really effective. And other times, it's less effective. Do you ever struggle when you feel like you're trying to meditate?
1: Absolutely. So I mean, sometimes the thoughts are so rambunctious that uh, that I can't get quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm having uh, some mm-hmm. kind of a episode where I'm uh, some kind of a tense situation, right? And I can't, I can't get quiet. I can't get centered, right? That that definitely does happen. Sometimes I I get up, right? I try again. Sometimes I uh, I just sit and I try to get. That's when I try to refocus back into the gratitude. You know, and I begin to if I'm if I'm in that. Sp- in that spirit where I'm tense about a situation or somebody in my life or an organization that's bothering me, right? I do the four step prayer, right? Where I'll pray, you know, Michael, if you were, had wronged me or whatever, I felt like you had wronged me. I'll pray that I, I you know, I pray that Michael gets everything that, that I want in life, right? And then I would go through those things. I actually say them out loud and they change daily, right? So my wishes change. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm looking for friendship and, closeness and financial security, et cetera, I'll go through. I pray that Michael gets those things, right? And that helps then to begin to release the tension, right? Because I don't want to be mad at him. Uh, I don't want to be in discomfort. And uh, have those self, selfish and self-pity, you know, kind of running around in my head. Back when I was newly sober, though, and I had a really swirly mind, I would swim out in the middle of the ocean. And I was very, I was desperate. And uh, would swim out into the ocean in, in uh, neptune beach and i would dunk myself in the water as a form as a form of meditation like all right god you know i know i'm dying here you know i'm dying inside i'm absolutely crazy i know i'm gonna drink again you know, things weren't going well things just weren't going well for me it didn't you know i didn't start like hitting my stride right out of the gate and uh it was tough and I would swim out in the ocean and I would I would do the it would, it would do like what the third step prayer says. Right. Where I would, I would recite that. And, um, you know, sometimes if I'm struggling in my own getting quiet, right, I'm, I'm it's I'm able to employ, you know, some of the prayers from the readings that we have. Right. And bring those into focus. Right. And so I can do that third step prayer where I, uh, you know, I ask God, take me. And um, you know, and I, I, can get recentered again. And when it happens, you know, it, you know, without trying though, nothing, nothing occurs, right? So it's really about just kind of sitting there for that period of time and trying to work through it, not, not, not giving in.
0: So, Chris, what does your what does your program of recovery look like today? Um, are there meetings that you maybe want to mention?
1: Yeah. Or- I'd love to. I'd love to talk about uh, some of the some of the groups. So um, you know, I don't know how long this this uh, this podcast will last, as far as longevity is concerned. But you know, we're in um, we're at the very end of um, we you know this is the very beginning of twenty one. We've just gone through the COVID nineteen kind of outbreak, in which Zoom became a very popular means to uh, gain access to recovery meetings. And, uh, and, you know, and as a result of that, um, friends, I was able to meet Michael. Michael's up in Philadelphia now, and I'm down in Virginia. Uh, I met him through a friend of mine from Florida. And, uh, and so the networks have gotten really tight, and it's been just absolutely fantastic. So that, that's been a real blessing of, of I think, um, you know, the pandemic. Uh, Some of the meetings that I go to, I go to a men's meeting on Thursday mornings called the uh, Sunlight of the Spirit Men's Group uh, in Reston, Virginia. You look that up and we'd love to have you. That's a men's group at 7 a.m. I have young children, and so I do most of my meetings early uh, so that I can make sure that I get my AA meetings out of the way or take advantage of the time that I have to get my AA meetings in. And, uh, and then another home group that I have is a meeting that started with a, a bunch of different people from all over the area called the 7 at 7 meeting on Friday mornings. And um, it's an interactive group where we actually ask questions of the speaker that are pre-selected. And so it really allows for the intimacy of uh, the, the life of the speaker to be um Brought into focus, which has been just very, very nice. And so that's also at 7 a.m., 7 at
0: 7. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for for spending time. Uh, you know, I always learn so much and uh, really enjoy spending time with you in meetings. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you, Michael,
1: for putting this together for us. And and, uh, and I hope that the folks that uh, were listening enjoyed that and, and, uh, and I was able to maybe Bring somebody a little closer to making a phone call, and to practicing uh, meditation. Right. The uh, when I became 100% powerless, and I was willing to do anything at all. Right. The the uh, that powerlessness became that firm bedrock of of uh, my foundation, and as a result of that, right, I was willing to try some stuff that I was totally uncomfortable with doing. And two of those things were meditating and picking up the phone. and uh, and those two things have changed my
0: life so good luck to everybody who's listening God
1: bless you
0: thanks so much for listening if you want to find us online you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast you can find us on Twitter at daily reflector you can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app we greatly appreciate it have a great day